Never before have I used a sports story in a sermon. Never. It's not my thing. But I got one for you today, but you sports fans don't get used to it. But through the magic of Facebook, I came across an ESPN.com story a few days ago, Finding Darko, about the Serbian retired NBA player Darko, I'm going to try to say his last name, Milecic. I had to to research this. I didn't do well. But there's a story actually on ESPN on TV right now about this, so you didn't need to skip church to watch sports this morning. I'm bringing it to you. Talk about service today. (laughs) But I I had never heard of Darko. I I don't read. I don't play sports. And now that I've read this story, Facebook keeps recommending more sports stories. It's kind of annoying, really. But, But Darko's story, it's, well, it's compelling. It's not a story of triumph, but one of failure. When talking about his NBA career, his favorite word to describe it is bust. He is blunt, Sam Borden, the article's author, says. At seven feet tall and approaching 300 pounds, he's roughly the size of a garage door, he writes. At one point, he says bust three times in about 15 seconds, and then he stamps an imaginary bust label across his forehead. The obvious question, then, Borden writes, was he really that bad? The short answer Yeah, pretty much. Now, Darko had a lot of promise. He was drafted in 2003 at the age of 16 by the Detroit Pistons as a second pick, right after LeBron James and before Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. I have no idea who any of these people are, but perhaps you do. But he grew up in Serbia. I've heard of Serbia during the 90s. During the 90s were the Balkan Wars. And one day when he was eight or nine, he was his military soldier dad, his picture, his dad's picture, flashed across TV one day. They're just sitting in the living room watching TV, and there's his dad's picture. It's a report of people who had died during a recent NATO bombing in his country. He didn't understand why his dad's picture was there, and his mom just started weeping, weeping. And a few hours later, the news reporter came back on, his dad's face on TV again. They had reported mistakenly. His father was alive. Something like that sticks with a boy. His father began to focus on his son even more so and wanted his son to be successful. And Darko wanted to do whatever his father wanted. And given his size, his father knew the only way he could be successful was with basketball. And so out of sense of duty to his father and to his genetics, Darko learned to play the game. It was never his passion, he says, but he learned to be a star. His career was a decade, and in that decade, he made $52 million, not bad for a bust career. In his 10-year career, he played for six different teams, but played is a generous word. He mostly sat on the bench for 10 years, and he resented this. As he grew up sitting on the bench, he began to sow his wild oats. There are YouTube videos out there of his antics at the bar. He would go home after games, and his wife talks about how he would punch holes in the sheetrock of the wall for several minutes, and they'd call the apartment contractors in. They'd come and patch it up for the next game where he would punch it again. He was spiraling, very unhappy. And then on November 17, 2012, 
He was playing for the Celtics at the time. So far in nine games that season, he had played a total of five minutes. And before that game on November 17th, Darko came up to his coach, Coach Rivers, and said, Doc, that's it. I'm not playing tonight. I'm not playing ever again. Thank you guys for trying. It didn't go well. I'm out. And that was it, his retirement speech. He quit. I was so lost, Darko says. I really came to hate basketball, you know? I just wanted to come back home and live another life. Everybody was trying to find a way to keep me, he says. But leaving, leaving then, even leaving in the way he did, that was the moment, he says, where he took back control. It was the moment he prevailed in his life. Now today, today, Darko, well, Darko is a farmer, and he's happy, a happy farmer. His family is happy. No more holes in the sheetrock. He has a large apple orchard in his home in Serbia. He's hoping to soon grow cherries. The author says of the article says the only time he really perks up in the article, shows some passion, is when he starts to talk about his cherries. He cares little about basketball. When the author asked him about the NBA Finals, who's he rooting for, it was happening when they were doing the interview, he didn't even know who was playing. Oh, are the finals on, he asked. Maybe that's why I like this guy. He's as clueless as I am. <laughs> and he's also, well, Darko is now religious. Regularly, he goes to a Serbian Orthodox monastery that's in his town to pray, to reflect, and to confess. Borden asked one of the monks, about Darko, Father, I'm going to call him Joe. And when he asked him, he paused for a few seconds. And Father Joe's only comment was, Darko, a man who succeeded in life. A man who achieved his goal. And everyone else talks about potential lost or wasted opportunities that weren't quite seized, Borden writes. Darko wasn't ready. Darko wasn't smart, wasn't mature, couldn't handle it. Darko rebelled. Even Darko stamped his hand on his head and said he was a bust. But the monks see none of that. They see a man who has a wife and children and a business and a comfortable life and a place in the community of his hometown. They see a man who achieved his goal or at the very least is trying to achieve his goal right now. So why can't they be right. Why can't Darko be blessed instead of bust? Now, I was talking this week with Marty, not about sports, but about our biblical character, Jacob. That's what clergy couples do the week of their 15th anniversary. <laughs> we were wrestling with this character in scripture and all these complicated biblical characters, really. Earlier, Marty gave us a good summation of the life of Jacob. She left out some of the less desirable parts, you know, for the, for the kids. But pick a biblical character. Just pick one. Most of the men especially, they're all liars. They're all cheats. They're fickle. They're deeply flawed. Jacob steals his family birthright from his twin brother, spends most of the rest of his life, decades, running from his brother Esau, who's trying to kill him. Jacob has a really weird dream, angels going up and down this ladder to heaven. And in that dream, he dreams God says he will bless him. But where is the blessing? Ninety years, where is the blessing? Jacob has wealth, lots of wealth, livestock, servants. He's got two wives, a blessed man, two wives, right? And yet he still feels like a bust. 
Something is not right. He's not at peace. Every night he seems to wrestle with this this angst inside of him. In spite of it all, he still has not received the blessing. Long before that that fateful night beside the river Jabbok, Jacob has been wrestling. He hasn't received the promised blessing. Any other character in Scripture might have given up on themselves, on God, but not Jacob. Perhaps the only reason we even know his name is because of what happened this night. What happened during this wrestling match by the river. There by the shores of Jabbok, Jacob gets into a wrestling match, but with whom? Well, the story isn't exactly clear. It was a man, we're told, but a man that refuses to be named. Tradition has given us a few options, really. There's lots of choices. Some suggest it was his brother Esau who snuck into the camp. While Jacob was hiding from him. Maybe it was an angel. One of those angels that Jacob had dreamt of not that long before. Maybe it was Jacob's inner self that he wrestled with. After the event, Jacob seems to think it was God who he wrestled with. For he names the place Peniel, which means the face of God. For I have seen God face to face and yet my life is preserved. Whatever, whomever it was that Jacob wrestled with that night, the real drama in the story is not who it was, but that Jacob prevails against it. He shouldn't have won. A life like his is destined to be a bust. He is a loser. His name means heel grabber. From birth, always behind, always on the bench, never the one called up, always reaching ahead, grasping for someone ahead of him, trying to get ahead, but never quite getting there. Yet this night, this night is when Jacob prevails. And in the midst of the struggle, his opponent can see that he's not going to win. And so he sucker punches Jacob in the hip, knocks Jacob's hip out of socket. His his opponent yells out, let me go for day is breaking. And Jacob yells back, I will not let you go until you bless me. What is your name? He says, Jacob. And the man says, you shall no longer be called Jacob. You, You will be called Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and you have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But the man says, no, why is it that you asked for my name? And then, then he blesses him. Now, the painting on the front of our bulletin this morning has captivated me this week. It's weird, I know. It's by an 1800s French painter, Paul Guagan. And his rather famous painting, The Vision after the sermon, the colors are a style from each Asian art forms. Logan did this type of thing with these colors with several biblical stories. He paint the scene, but he plant that uh, biblical scene in a modern context, like the picture on the bulletin with a group of Puritan women who just left church. They're outside of church after hearing a sermon, presumably on the same text as our sermon today. These women step outside and see two men wrestling in the distance together. Far off at the back of the painting, you see the river Jabbok. The title suggests they're having a vision. The scripture come alive. Now, I can't recall any of you telling me about visions you had in the parking lot after one of my sermons. I've seen a a few of you dreaming during them, but that's another story. I don't know what you may see when you step away from this sermon or when you step out of this ancient story. 
What struggles will you step into? What scenes will you see playing in your head in front of you? Is it a vision? Is it real? Are you on the sidelines observing a wrestling match going on? Maybe, maybe you see yourself right in the middle of it. After all, it's not just Darko or Jacob who find themselves in struggles for their very own lives. Maybe you've already given a name to your opponent, to your nameless opponent. Maybe like Darko, your opponent is called success. Maybe you named it addiction or loss, grief, failure or doubt. Maybe you wrestle with expectation. Maybe it's called love. Maybe your sparring partner is some inner drive, some passion, like a tormented artist. Maybe the doctor named your opponent cancer, or heart disease, mental illness, or depression. Maybe the name is more personal. Someone you know, someone's name you know, a family member, a sibling, a spouse. Maybe, maybe it's your own name. Maybe it's God's name. Or maybe you're like Jacob and you just don't know what to call it. Only that your life has been spent wrestling against it. But whatever you may call it, don't give up the struggle. Don't let go like Jacob. Keep fighting it, pinning it to the ground. Hold it down until morning, down until you, until you prevail. Put your arm around its throat, your knee in its gut until you wrestle from it a blessing. For there seems to be one true thing in life, whether it's found in an ancient story from long ago or in a sports story you stumble across on the Internet. That true blessing usually comes after some kind of a bust, after a struggle. And the ones who experience it are the ones who don't let go, who keep fighting, who stand up, put their lives back together, and keep wrestling against it until they receive from their nameless tormentor a blessing. That day Jacob is given a new name, Israel. This would be the name that will later be given to God's people, Jacob's descendants. It means one who prevails with God. For Jacob had striven with God and with humans. And Jacob prevails. And walking away, we're told that Jacob, well, he had a limp from his injuries. Many of us, well, we are limping around today, aren't we? But don't think just for one moment that just because we are limping, don't think that doesn't mean that we haven't been blessed. We're limping, but we are blessed. We are. Amen. Amen. <laughs>